Welcome to Valley Naval Gazing on 103.5 WNHH, New Haven's community radio station. My name is Eugene Driscoll. I'm a reporter with ValleyIndy.org. This podcast is also put on ValleyIndy.org, iTunes, SoundCloud, Libsyn, and YouTube. So the topic today, I'm not going to take too long to set it up. This is a reporter's roundtable you're going to hear. You're going to hear a bunch of reporters talking about what it was like to cover the Naugatuck Valley over the last 20 years or so. It was recorded during The Great Give last week, which was, it was, The Great Give was May 2nd and May 3rd, and that's a 36-hour online fundraiser for all sorts of nonprofits in the area, including valleyindy.org. And to promote The Great Give and to raise money for our publication, we had about 26, 27 Interviews, 30-minute interviews over the course of 36 hours where we talk to uh, nonprofit leaders, uh, all sorts of people from the valley, you know, the Naugatuck Valley. And it was all on Facebook Live. We did it all on video. Very awkward, a lot of cringe-inducing stuff, some funny stuff, some boring stuff. It was all over the place, some informative stuff. I had a blast doing it. And this reporter's roundtable you're about to hear was one of the highlights, I think. Uh, during this episode, you'll hear first from Kate Ramuni. She was previously the Valley reporter for the Connecticut Post. Now she's with the New Haven Register. While at the Post, she actually broke this big story. Uh, Shelton had a terrorist living in their ranks, Fazal Shazad. He tried to blow up uh, Times Square with a car bomb a couple of years back. And Kate, after they had arrested him, went through his trash so she gives us an unvarnished take on, that, on how that happened. And then Joe Musanti, he was with the Evening Sentinel, which, if you're not from the Valley, that was the Valley's newspaper for over 100 years until a newspaper chain came in and killed it. So, and that happened in 1992. Joe was there. It's the first time I've heard an eyewitness account of what happened there. Sorry, that's a motorcycle going by. So anyway, I, I hope you enjoy it. And then Melvin Mason, formerly of the Connecticut Post, uh, is in this podcast, as is Jody Gill, who uh, Paul Bass hired with me to launch valleyindy.org back in 2009, thanks to foundation money from uh, VCF, the Valley Community Foundation, the Knight Foundation, Community Foundation for Greater New Haven. And by the way, huge thanks to the Community Foundation for Greater New Haven for putting on the great give. It was such a blast. And to VCF, the Valley Community Foundation, uh, really great stuff. And just before I begin, I just want to note we had new intro music this week. Maybe you've noticed. That is the Bad Slugs, Ride the Dinosaur. Bad Slugs is a band, rock band, 
I guess they're based in Fairfield County. Well, at least they work at Fairfield County newspapers. They're all a bunch of journalists. Got some editors in there, reporters, columnists, copy desk guys, I think even a web dude. And they have a new, uh, actually it's their debut EP. It's available on CD and digital download. Again, it's The Bad Slugs. You want to check them out, go to thebadslugs.bandcamp.com or go to facebook.com slash badslugs. Thanks, uh, guys, for letting us use your song, Ride the Dinosaur. Uh, These are newspaper guys. I'll let you guess what Ride the Dinosaur is about. All right. Here is... Recorded live last week on the Facebook during the Great Grive in the Valley Indie office, an ex-Valley Reporters Roundtable. Thank you. Hey, I'm Eugene Driscoll, and hopefully we're live. I don't know. It's uh, nonprofit independent journalism. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. It's about 4.32 in the afternoon. See, I'm going to hit go live. See, But we're already live. That's hmm. You think that would do it? Nope, we were already going. Uh, this is a X Valley Reporters Roundtable. I thought it might be interesting to talk to people who covered the Valley uh, as journalists over the past, I don't know, we probably covered the last 10 years or so. And so we're going to have like a roundtable discussion so. of uh, somebody here? Mm-mm. Oh, is that Ethan? We're going to have a roundtable discussion of uh, stories they covered that they remember, what it was like to, to cover the Valley, and uh, I'm just going to throw it out to them. You know, it's not really going to be a Q&A. It's more like I'm going to sit back because my brain is mashed potatoes right now, and I'm going to let them talk. So let's go around the room, and the first person I'm going to ask your name and who you are, what the heck are you doing here, is uh, our mystery guest on the phone. Can you hear me call her? I can hear you. Who are you? Kate Ramuni, formerly of the Connecticut Post and Hometown Publications. And how long did you cover the Valley when you were with the Connecticut Post? Well, I started with the Post in 1998, and I covered the Valley, except for a short period of time where I covered Stratford and Bridgeport. I covered the Valley until 2010. And right now, Kate, you're, you're a reporter with the New Haven Register, right? Yes, I cover Hamden and North Haven for the New Haven Register. Uh, thank you so much for for coming on uh, this afternoon. Oh yeah, you have, you have, gonna, yeah, we're gonna let you go early because you have uh, something to cover. And then, okay, Kate, thank you and welcome. Uh, and then, uh, Mr. Joe, you're you're like a I, it's, it's a pleasure to meet. you. It's the first time I met you in person. Your reputation precedes you. Thank you for uh, clearing a nice path here in the valley and making journalists look good. Oh, well, thank you, Eugene. That's that's probably a little too kind, but I appreciate it anyway. Um, yeah, I, I in fact, uh, Kate and I worked together briefly um, at the Connecticut Post towards the tail end of my journalism career. Um, we were both in the Valley Bureau for uh, for a while. That's on that was on Elizabeth Street. On Elizabeth right? Street, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Right. It's no longer uh, there's no longer a bureau at the Post. Um, so I was at the Post for eight years, starting in 1993, and prior to that, I was at the Evening Sentinel. Woo! Oh yeah, the legendary, <laughs> Evening legendary Evening Sentinel. Sentinel. Oh yeah. We have one. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the camera. We have one copy of the Evening Sentinel here from 1991 when Mark Loretti was first elected mayor. So your so. byline is probably in that. It could be in that edition. Yeah. 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 We'll check after. We'll have to check. See what I wrote. Yeah. <laughs> we'll copy edit it. Yeah. <laughs> So, Jody, you I kind of know. You guys know me, but so I'm Jody Gill, formerly Jody Moster, and I worked in the Valley first in 2006, 2007 at the Republican American, 
And then I came back here, it was 2009, um, until 2012 when I left to go teach at Southern. So I've come back every year. I'm yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm no, this actually is like, glad that I'm an invited guest because I'm like, if I wasn't invited, I would have just come back. That would be awesome, too. Yeah, you're <laughs> welcome to stop by any time. Excuse me, especially if you want to do some freelance. So I thought we had Melvin Mason in the room. Uh, maybe not. If Melvin's here, you can come on back. But he's not. I didn't see him. All right, so I wanted to uh, talk to Kate first because she's got to go. and She's on the phone. Uh, Kate, I saw a tweet from the uh, former U.S. attorney, uh, Parit. Uh, do you know how to say his name? Preet Bashara? Bahar? I don't know how to say his name. I apologize. Ethan did. Uh, he had said, like, this week was the anniversary of the Shelton terrorist, Fazal Shazad, who attempted to uh, ignite a car bomb down in Times Square. And that was back in, I think, 2010 or 2009 or so. Jody and I yeah, covered it. And we were uh, uh, trounced thoroughly by you, Kate, <laughs> who uh, ended up going through the terrorist garbage. I was wondering uh, if, if you could tell that story, uh, how you got that. I mean, it's almost it's a literal scoop, right? Yes. You guys are journalists, right? Yeah. It's kind of... Go ahead. Uh, that, that was a, um, one of the more interesting um, events in my career. It, we had all... Uh, there was a, a whole group of reporters outside of the house that day, and there was a police presence. They didn't want to let anyone go past a certain area. So everyone was there talking, and while no one was looking, I kind of slipped past the police and everyone and went into the backyard of the house. And it had been raining, and there was several bags of garbage back there. And since they weren't letting anyone go back, I was alone. And I figured, well... I'm a journalist, I'm curious about everything, so I opened the garbage bags, and there was just like a treasure trove of things, about, from belongings from um, the man, and there was passports, there was family pictures, there was uh, birthday cards, different cards that he had sent to family members, There, I think there was um, even records of his grades from school. He had attended a couple universities at that point. Mm. And um, there was just so much stuff. And I just started packing it literally down my pants, down my shirt, anywhere I could <laughs> put it where no one will see it. And then I just kind of nonchalantly walked back up and got in the car and left and went back to the office and just laid everything out on the table. It was all soaked. And... Um, and I remember my editors were were a, a bit nervous about what if I could get arrested for having done that. Because it could have been trespassing, I guess. Someone could have claimed trespassing. Yeah, stealing. I mean, I, at the time, I didn't think about it. I was thinking about, you know, the story and getting as much as I could. So, um, but it, it turned out that they, they weren't interested in charging me with anything, and I, I'm pretty sure that what happened was everything was photographed by our photographers and then turned over to the FBI. So they ended up with, with all the information anyway. Yeah, did the, and, did the uh, police or the FBI ever reach out to you personally to, uh, to inquire mm -hmm. about how you obtained the materials? No, actually they just communicated with my editors. They, my editors kept me out of everything. So I didn't have to deal with any 
anything um, after taking it. They, they handled the whole thing. Was there any fallout from the police on the local level the next time you uh, ran into them? Come on back, no, Melvin. Actually, that's your um, actually, I have to say the Shelton Police are the greatest police department in the world. I, I haven't covered them in a long time, but... I've covered so many departments, so many towns in both Fairfield and New Haven County, and they were the greatest police department I ever worked with. They were so open about everything. They they gave me information without hesitation. I mean, I have only the best things to say about the Shelton Police Department, and they never, I don't think anyone even mentioned it to me after that incident. And uh, but, uh, so you know... Uh in, into the room just walked uh, your former colleague, Melvin Mason, uh, hey, just Melvin. arrived. Welcome, Maze, uh, Melvin. Hi, Kate. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm, I'm good. Uh, a little bit rushed today, but other than that, uh, still uh, still pretty good. And uh, we're live. This Great. is going yes, on, just I, so you I know. I know. I know. I know. How you doing? Uh, and so Melvin is getting married in a few days. That's Melvin's <sighs> yep, big yeah. news. Yeah. In addition, you're, you're the uh, editor of the Stratford Star, and yep. you're a former Connecticut Post reporter. You worked out of the Derby Bureau on Elizabeth Street yep. uh, with Kate. Kate, just my one last question about uh, uh, the Fazal Shazad uh, uh, trash mongering. Uh, what what uh, information did you uh, get out of the, the materials you collected, and it, did it help you in any way inform you or the public about because he's still a mystery in a lot of ways uh he's basically been thrown away they locked away the key and that that was the end of him what did you learn about his personality perhaps if anything from uh yeah, going through his trash i think the information that we got from the garbage bags i think it gave a more rounded view of him there was this one persona of him the terrorist but we saw him as like the son and and the brother and the student and it just it I think it gave him it it made it more personalized the story that we were able to report on you know the grades that he got in school and the uh, the sentiments that he said to his relatives up on their birthdays and just to give him more more of a personality uh, apart from being a terrorist and, and then, like um, like looking it was back really, it was really it, go ahead I'm thinking, like, now looking back all these years later, it's almost more chilling uh, because there was a guy who didn't fit any type of mold or what you uh, had in your head at that time as, as a terrorist. Seemed like a normal guy living in a house much nicer than mine in a nicer neighborhood, and he goes and tries to blow up Times Square. Uh, and it wasn't like in the trash didn't, it wasn't like the manuscript from The Shining, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. It was a pretty normal dude uh, who yeah. somehow I, had his mind clouded and corrupted and did what he did. So Yeah, it, sh it showed that he was like just uh, on one, and on, one, on the one hand, he was just a normal person who was living in this house, living his life, going to school and... And, but then there was this other whole side of him that no one really knew about, that he was involved in these activities, and that ended up getting him in a lot of trouble. And then uh, let me just throw it out now, because, uh, and again, guys, you guys are, uh, mm -hmm. you know, my mind is mush right now. Actually, Melvin's is too, I guess, because you put that <laughs> around. But I'm, maybe you guys <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so egotistical, I think, as, like, the reporter, I'm working hard. Maybe we're all, sorry, I apologize. But no, did, no, no, did you guys you, got have lot, any, you got a lot of stuff going, so that's Did you guys have any questions for, for Kate? I do. So I don't remember well enough because... I was just beating myself up for not having gone through the trash that day because I was the one standing behind the police tape, uh, you know, at that same moment. But why was all that stuff in the garbage at that moment? 
Like I, I, I never really found that out. It seemed like they were cleaning their house out because there was so much garbage. I mean, for what I took, there was probably 10, 12 times more stuff there uh, that I wasn't able to go through. And who knows what was in there? There could have been a lot of really good stuff. But um, mm-hmm. it seems like they were doing some kind of major cleanup there. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it was. He was. He, he was certainly. He was certainly getting ready for a big life change. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely, because there was a lot of bags back there, and a lot of them I couldn't even get to because they were piled up. And I only went. I probably went through three or four of them before I left because I was getting nervous that I was going to get caught and. <laughs> They were going to take from me what I was able to get. Yeah. So. That, that is some industrious reporting right there, yeah. Kate. Goodness gracious. Uh, Don't do trash. It was, it, was a, it was one of the highlights of my career, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, Kate. Uh, I'm, I'm going to let you go. I want to thank you so much for uh, taking a couple of minutes uh, uh, to talk to us. And we miss you here in the Valley. Yeah, we do. Oh, I miss it so much. I, miss, I, I covered Shelton most of my career. I love Shelton. It'll always have my heart. And I'm hoping someday to return to Shelton to live because it's such a great place and the valley such a great community. I really miss it. By the way, I do really do miss you, miss hanging out with you in the, uh, in the Valley Bureau. Uh, yeah, we had good. really good times yeah. in, the, in the Bureau. I miss it so much. I can't believe it's, it's totally gone now. Yep. It was a really, really good time in my life. Yeah, exactly. You know, get a chance to live right next door and just come by and bring you some food. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. And I'll echo that, uh, Kate. It was great working with you for the couple of years that we worked together at the Post. It was uh, an interesting time back then. Yeah, we had really good times in the Bureau with Debbie Carvelco, Rachel Katz. It was was a great time. Yeah, we had a good team. Yeah, it was. It was Mm -hmm. great. I mean, we spent more time laughing, I think, than anything. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. All right, Kate, we'll let you go because you're a working reporter. You've got to get to a meeting. Yeah, I got to go actually do an interview and then go to a meeting. So <laughs> Of course. <laughs> yeah. And try to live, eat dinner. Live blog it while you're doing it. Uh, yeah, dinner I think is going to be way later. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Keep up uh, the good work. Keep up the good fight. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. You let it go. Our pleasure. Okay, bye. All right. All right, that was Kate. Let me just make sure. I've never said uh, The phone's broken, so anyway. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that was nice, huh? Kate? Yeah, that was Kate. So I want to talk to now uh, Mr. Musante about, because you were there when the Evening Sentinel was still around. Oh, yeah. Uh, and my connection, you know, we're named in honor of the Evening Sentinel, but I didn't grow up in the Valley. Uh, you know, when it went out in the 94, when it, 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 it was Christmas Eve, 1992 was our last publication date. Mm-hmm. Were you there at that time? I was, yeah. So you probably told the story 100,000 times. Yeah. But uh, I'm going to ask you to tell it again. Absolutely. Because uh, this was a story I would hear. I'd be hanging out at the Dew Drop Inn before, <laughs> before it took off. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people would be like, oh, you're a reporter? Uh, what do you, you know? You need to tell me this story about the Christmas Eve massacre. And I'm like, yep. this, this guy's cut him off. <laughs> but it happened. Mm-hmm. So you were there. Tell, tell mm-hmm. us about what the Christmas, Christmas Eve massacre is or was. Sure. Uh, and, and just to, to sort of put it into context um what had happened was you know, of course the sentinel was, was an operation forever you know long before we were born uh went back over a hundred years um in ni- i guess it was in 1990 or around there uh thompson newspapers had bought the connecticut post we were owned by thompson newspapers so initially you know nobody thought too much about it although 
there was some some scuttlebutt about well, does, you know, does this big corporation really want to own two newspapers and kind of cross section of, of the uh, of the circulation area, and uh, but nothing really came of it until 1992. Um, I'll never forget it because it was right after President Bush had come to Warsaw Park. And that was one of our, you know, it was massive coverage. I mean, we were all, I was, I was a sports editor at the end, and I was there covering it, too. So it was a lot of fun. I, I think right after that, that next Monday or Tuesday, um, we find out, I think it was first in the newspaper, we read about it. In your own newspaper? Uh, no. <laughs> no. No, but in some of the other papers, I, I can't remember if it was in the register, or it was one of the newspapers, um, had mentioned something about what was happening. So anyway, what happened was the some of the Connecticut Post people come in that day and have a meeting uh, with all of us in the press room. And it was, wasn't just the news people, but the whole, uh, whole paper. And at the time, that included circulation, it included advertising, uh, the whole gamut. So they call us down. It told us that, you know, the Post was, was going to be under the uh, the guidance and the uh, managerial uh, discussion of the post, um, that there were going to be some changes. But I, I'll never forget, one of the things they told us, because people were concerned about what might happen, and one of the things they told us was, well, don't worry, there will always be a sentinel. Hmm. So, you know, some of us believe this, some of us, yeah, a little skeptical about that, but okay. Hmm. Well, and, and I'll tell you why it, it could have been technically true, at least for a while, but it turned out it was uh, misleading at, at best. Um, so there was a series, that the Post would come in every day, and they would sort of take, sort of oversee our paper, um, especially in the newsroom. They were there just about every day. And uh, we still had you know, some freedom, some latitude, but, uh, but they started gradually inserting some of the post pages into the paper. Mm. Um, in November, the, they changed the name of the paper. And so what had been the Evening Sentinel you know, forever became the Valley Sentinel. And, and people were wondering, well, what's that about? And it was the one Friday night I was off, because I had to work on Friday nights as a sports editor. One night I take off is when they do it. So I, I get a phone call from, from one of the, the people that was filling in for me that night. And, uh, so the, the staff didn't know this was coming? No. Nope. Wow. Uh -huh. No, it was a surprise. And it was on a Friday night, so they didn't know about it until probably the next morning, most cases, or maybe Monday. Um, so I remember asking a few people, you know, who were sort of in post management. I said, well, what was the name of the change, the change of the name for? Why are they doing this? And uh, so one of the answers I got, and it sounds crazy, well, we weren't quite sure people knew, you know, what the, uh, where the Sentinel was and, and where. And we're all thinking, anybody who lived in the Valley knew the Sentinel was part of the Valley. Nobody needed to describe it that way. What is this Canadian paper? I mean, <laughs> right? I mean yeah. it, was, it was just bizarre. So then we're thinking, okay, something's really going on. And sure enough, it, it was a, a precursor of things to come. Um, we get into December, and everybody's a little nervous about what's going to happen in the new year if there would be a new year at the Sentinel. And um, 
there was one incident, I remember the, the flag, the American flag was hung upside down one day when we were in there. Um, Who and, did that? Was that a newsroom thing or like a press room uh, thing? Well, we don't, to this day, it's one of those <laughs> mysteries. We don't know who, who did that. I have the some editor. Yeah. But I, 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 I suspect it wasn't somebody in the newsroom. Uh, it has some ideas, but, it, you know, the, the, sort of a distress the symbol. Yeah. And, yeah. boy, was that symbolic. Um, well, anyway, December 21st, it was a Monday. And um, I remember I was going up to the composing room. And the managing, well, yeah, I guess he was the managing editor at the time, Garth Miniger, is walking down the steps. And I said to Garth, I said, Garth, what's going on? And he's, he mumbled something. I, I don't know what he said. It, but it didn't sound good. I remember that. I'm like, oh, yeah, this isn't going to turn out well. So, anyway, we, we had a meeting. Jeez, oh, yeah, this was, this was ominous, you know. Mm -hmm. So, right after deadline, we were an afternoon paper, mm -hmm. meeting paper. So, you know, deadline 11, by 12 o'clock, it was usually to the press room. So right after that, they, we had a meeting in the newsroom, and, uh, and that's when they told us. And at first, it sounded like, well, that doesn't sound too bad. The press run's going to be out of Bridgeport. Well, that's not good for our press people, but at least the paper's still intact, and it wasn't the catastrophe. But then, as the discussion was going on, it became clear what was the whole story. And they told us that uh, the last day of the paper would be December 24th, Christmas Eve day. And um, they offered some of us in the newsroom um, jobs as, as stringers, as, as correspondents. Mm. And uh, most of the people, though, weren't even that fortunate uh, in the other departments. They, they took, I think, maybe six or seven people or something on full time. Um, I was lucky. I um, had been offered a correspondent job, and then a couple weeks later became full-time at the Post. But, um, but it was a depressing day. Um, mm. Yeah. You know, it, it, it was, uh, I mean, it's still... Yeah, did you take it, just watch it, because this microphone, will, it'll, it'll sound like thunder oh, when you're hitting oh, okay. it. So right, right. I didn't want to break your, your train of thought. Oh, okay, no, no, that's uh, But was, uh, did, did you take any solace in the fact, uh, or did you even feel the community impact? Because we still, it's reverberating today. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did, did that surprise you, or did it help in any way? Or? Um, you know, I don't think it made much of an impact, but I will say, um, we felt it because the, the funny thing about it was, you know, back in the day, people they they would complain about this Sentinel. You know, oh, there's never anything to read in the Sentinel. The rag, the local rag, rag. Yeah, buyers, you know, and the things that you know all journalists face all, all the, the time, time. Yeah. Yeah. all the time. Mm -hmm. yep. But boy, oh boy, every day I remember in Derby in particular at the cigar store, right, right <laughs> up the street. <laughs> 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 George Drew owned it. You know, it people would wait in line for the paper to come out in the afternoon. Wow. And so they'd complain about it, but they were there every day. So when, when, once they found out about it, once the community found out about it, um, the reaction was, <laughs> it was not pleasant. Uh, they were not happy, and they made their opinions known. Um, people canceled their subscriptions uh, left and right, mm -hmm. to the point where the register put in a little coupon Tell the Connecticut Post that you want to cancel your subscription. Sign this. You know, and it, there was this. It, it prompted this big war between the Register and the Post. Oh man, that was that was a whole other story. But, um, but yeah, people were very loyal. Um, and, and did it did it sour you? Uh, I don't know how long you stayed in the profession after that. But 
you know, there's so much change uh, that happened in, like, I think the last 10 years of newspapers. Mm-hmm. Did it sour you on the industry at all, having that happen, or was it... Well, it, it certainly, you know, it, Eugene, it was a, it was a sort of a, a dilemma that I was in, because on one hand, I felt the same things that, that the people in the Valley, growing up in Derby, lived in Derby, um, felt. So I wasn't happy with what happened at all. But of course, I couldn't really say that publicly yeah. because I was working for yeah. the Post, you know, and so it, it sort of set up a very difficult situation. But people would, would say to me, you know, whether I was covering meetings or out on the street or whatever it was, I can't believe what they did to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, you know, you know, but there's only so much I could say. But they yeah, knew. even on the street, you can't reveal like I'm yeah. just as angry as you. Right. You know, I like. mean, I, you know, they knew. I would yeah. sort of hint at it a little bit, or I would sort of nod and say, but clearly that was the case. And they said, and then they would say, and I'm not talking to people at the post. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I have you. Know. Please. And it was almost this this, this sort of you know. <laughs> Uh, You're kicking me while I'm down. Well, no, but, 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 but the irony was they would talk to me because they didn't see me as a real post person. They saw me as the <laughs> Sentinel guy, you know. So, so it was it was okay, but it, it, it just it was this cognitive dissonance. It really was. It was like on one hand, but on the other hand, they were they were saying something else. But um, but there was a tremendous amount of loyalty there, and I think it was one of those things where you know I can say anything I want about my brother, but God help the person uh, you know yeah. outside the family who can mm-hmm. say that. It was that kind of an attitude. Um, and then did the post uh, like the newsroom sort of take you in where you immediately one of their own or at the post? Yeah, or was there like oh we got that? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a valley guy. guy. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. hide the beer. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I was. Uh, I spent most of my time in the Valley Bureau, so there wasn't a lot of time that uh, that I was in Bridgeport. Um, but I would, you know, I, I would tell people at the Post because um, there were some decisions that they made. They eliminated the. In fact, it might have even been before. Well, I'm sorry. Just to backtrack, if I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. You guys are all right. This is, this is, yeah, yeah, learn. This is, this is the first time I've heard this from an eyewitness. Uh, okay, I didn't want to monopolize the. No. Uh, uh, <laughs> Um, you, you get donate a hundred dollars. Valley uh, <laughs> donate at valleyindie.org. You want to hear more? I know you do. All right, okay, sorry. <laughs> Times have changed. Oh, you know, I've been used to begging. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, you got to do what you got to do, right? Yeah. Um, the Valley Sentinel name, though that that's where that ties into what I was saying earlier. When they told us there would always be a Sentinel, um, what happened was that the the first edition of the Post after we closed was called the Valley Sentinel. It continued on the masthead, only now it said an edition of the Connecticut Post. So it, we, we made it clear we were a part of the Post, but they try to keep the name, to kind of try to keep the loyalty. That failed miserably because people saw right through that. Um, but that was one of the things that they did. So yes, there was a Sentinel, and I think the intent was to keep that, um, but it wasn't the Sentinel as, as we all knew and, and loved. So it was a whole different... Uh, Whole different dynamic. That marketing department must—I don't know. I don't know. Well, they, they, not, they not deserve the has well, to pay for that. One, yeah, right? <laughs> it was not the most not the most well thought out. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's easier to hindsight twenty twenty. I, I, I'm just amazed that whoever was in the room when they made that decision, <laughs> um, you know, said, "Okay, well, I have an idea. Let's close the Valley's only daily newspaper, which has been around for over a hundred years." Um, we're going to lay off you know, whatever the numbers were, Everyone. sixty, just about yeah. sixty-eight out of seventy-four, whatever it was, employees, and we'll do it 
on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was a, a public relations nightmare. It should be in textbooks at, at some point. Right, and the fact I, I literally still hear about it uh, just about every day. And yeah. people still story. have their old mailboxes. Yeah, they're starting, yeah. you know, they're, becoming, they're becoming more and more rare, I think. But yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 You still see the yellow box. I when I first moved up yeah. here, I had no idea. I'm like, what's the Sentinel? Why don't I can't find it here? And like, who do I have, what club do I have to join to get this local newspaper? <laughs> 20 years after it. Yeah. So. I mean, and, and in fairness, you know, it really wasn't the Post that did it. It was Thompson Newspapers. The, the publisher at the Post had something to do with it, I think. But, mm -hmm. but you know, the the daily reporters, editors, it's most of the people yeah. there, it was at the very mm -hmm. high. Yeah. high yeah. Oh, yeah, literally, I mean, to make a decision like that, you have to be so out of touch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it didn't originate locally. Yeah. So uh, if you're just joining us, I'm Eugene. Melvin Mason just joined us. Right. He's a former Connecticut Post reporter. He covered the Valley. He now edits the Stratford Star for Hurst and Acorn. HAN Network. You got to make sure. Oh, that changed. HAN Network. It's not Hurst and Acorn anymore. It's now the HAN Network. I'm sure Mr. John Kobach, our editorial director, would make sure I get that correct. Okay. And Mr. Marty Hurston, too. All right. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So the and N in H A N doesn't already stand for. Yeah, yeah, Listen, I'm old school. I, 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 I read the Lewisboro Ledger back in the day. I'm yeah. calling it Hersey. Yeah, it's, it's, al it's almost like it's, <laughs> almost, it's almost like ESPN. You know, it says Entertainment and Sports Network, but mm -hmm. it says no, we don't. We, it doesn't stand for anything. So H A N doesn't really. Okay. H A N okay. it's still owned by the by the Hersons, but it's still H A N Network. That's what it is now. Okay. You know, long you know things. That's all. So. So welcome. Uh, Thanks for coming. Yeah, absolutely. And, then, and that, that was Joe Musanti from the Evening Sentinel. No, it's okay, Melvin. Yeah. And uh, well, this is conversational. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? It's totally. And well, this is uh, Jody uh, Gill, yeah. who uh, wrote for the Rep Am. And, yeah. uh, oh, you know what? Actually, I should. I, we have a quiz coming up later. Okay. I just kind of spoiled it. But don't say where you work immediately prior to the Valley Indie. That's one of our oh, quiz okay. questions okay. coming up. At, uh, at 7 p.m. Yeah. No, no, oh, just I you. guess just just I only you. worked here. So yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, and we're, we're talking about uh, what it was like to cover the Valley. We had Kate Ramuni from the Connecticut Post talking about going through a terrorist trash. Uh, <laughs> that was good. Uh, we got readers commenting. Kathy Moran, who actually literally baked us a cake and brought it here oh, wow. all the way from like Route 110 in Shelton, was wow. here by 7.30 this morning. So thank you, Kathy. She says, thanks to all of you for the work you've done covering the Valley and for sharing all your stories over the years. I go back to having the Post and Telegram plus the New York Daily News and New York Post. Yeah, that was on at my house mm -hmm. uh, at night. No Sunday Times. And recall the Register versus the Post. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll have to catch the rest on playback. Keep the real stuff coming. Well, Yay, thanks for your support okay. uh, last year, this year, and this morning. And that's Kathy Moran. Uh, so... Hilarious. Now I'm gonna let me interrupt for a second. Sure, go. Ahead. You have a big life change come when yeah. you're getting married. Yeah, on when Friday. Friday. Friday in New York City. Yep. Yeah, my, my wonderful, uh, my wonderful fiance Allison. Uh, she and I will be uh, wedded on <laughs> on Friday. And yeah, does it seem? It does it feel strange? It, 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 yeah, because I'm married too, and at first it's like in your it's like mm -hmm. what? yeah. What is going on? I know, and I'm, okay, I was going to ask you, like, you know, how how did you deal with it? But I'll just tell you right now. It's just oh, just uh, go rewind. The dew drop in was here earlier. He's got all my how I deal with everything. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Jake Carlucci from the dew. Yeah, no, but uh, you know, you know, I'm kind of. I was, you know, I've been obviously uh, bachelor for God knows how long, and then all of a sudden you, you know, know exactly how long. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, obviously, yeah. So. So it's a different, it's a change because it's almost like with me and even my future wife will tell you this. It's like I'm very resistant to do changing on certain things. 
Hmm. But then when I get into it, I'm like, okay, this is not this isn't that bad. And I think you know she kind of pulled me along in that way. And I haven't really had a chance to get used to the whole you know getting ready to get married thing because I've been so busy working. I mean, yeah. we have done some planning stuff. We had to go out and get like you know stuff for our reception. We had to go out and you know make sure we you know I got the right shoes. She's like constantly stressing over her dress and making sure it doesn't get messed up and. Everything. So, but yeah, but the work and having to put this paper out the shop at Star, uh, you just end up spending so much time focused on that, and mm-hmm. you really don't get a chance to um, think about the wedding part. I gotta have to. Uh, we, got, we got we got about fifteen minutes. Okay. Sure, no problem. So. That's fine. Although we could go a little longer. Yeah, whatever. But uh, I wanted to ask you. You worked for the Rep Am. Mm-hmm. I actually I, I emailed uh, uh, Paul Singley. Never heard back. Oh yeah, what happened? Yeah. I don't know. You know, Paul. Paul he probably never got yeah. it. It's probably but no, this is perfect. Too. This is yeah. perfect. For, first time I saw, saw Jody, she shot me the steely glare. Because you were I'm my competition. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna get him. I'm like, who is that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, like, is he gonna beat me? Is there some scoop I'm missing? Because you know, I would miss scoops and like Kate's going through trash. I'm just like, oh yeah, man. exactly. And then of course, and, 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 and Elizabeth Benton too. I'm, Oh, who yeah. now works for oh, who now yeah. works for uh, you know Senator Blumenthal's office, and yet yeah, she worked. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I she came register, right? Yeah, she and I went. She and I went head to head a lot, probably a lot more than you and I did because. Um, well, and you covered all the lower valley. Yeah, I covered towns. all the lower valley I towns. Seymour. Yeah, Seymour. Yeah, so, yeah. Seymour not, yeah, not, yeah. So yeah, she was always in. And so where you yeah. now live. So yep, Seymour so had such house. a big impact yeah. on you. You decided, you know what, I'm going to set up my roots here. Well, I decided to move to the Valley. It was the Board of Finance meeting that you went to, and you were like, that's it, I'm in. I'm like, this is it. Okay. I decided to move to the Valley, which Joe's probably laughing about. <laughs> Joe and I worked together when I was in college. So he was in the PR department, and I was, like, their intern. Yep. So, at Southern. At Southern. At Southern. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up in Milford. And actually, I, probably, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but, like, you all know because you're living in the valley now, but like people outside the valley have a different point of view of the valley than people. No, the valley. <laughs> yeah. what do you mean? <laughs> we all know that. So as a Milford resident, I had this like already set mindset. Even though I don't know if I'd ever even been in the valley, and Joe was from the valley, and I'm like, oh, the valley, and we would always joke about it. So then when I got a job in the valley, he calls me up and says, oh, you're in the valley. That's interesting. And then <laughs> I left. I came back and I talked to you again and you're like, oh, you're back. And then I married someone from the Valley and then moved. You married there. a Valley dude. Yeah. yeah. So then a Derby I'm guy. sure every time, yeah, he's from Derby. Yeah. Every time you're like, oh, weird. <laughs> every time we talked about it, you know, I was right. So That's a, that's a true story. I mean, we when she first started as a student, um, she was didn't have the same view of the Valley as, <laughs> as I did. And I... You know, I'd be like, no, it's a great it's place. Funny, it's yeah. still there. And, and so we'd go back and forth. But I will say one thing for Jody, though. Despite that, despite that one misjudgment that Complete snob. You know, I was... Snob. I'll admit it now. But she, I mean, she was a kid. I, she was just a cop. <laughs> I was naive. Yeah. Um, but she was. She was our student worker, and she did a lot of writing in our public relations office. And um, I, I will say, she is still, to this day, the gold standard by how we judge student oh. workers and that's absolutely <laughs> true like, she um she was a very hard worker Incre- yeah I, I can attest to that right yep yep the first scary time, almost right <laughs> oh yeah the first time she came back with uh with an article that she'd written in fact i accompanied her on her first interview just to make sure everything sure, was just, okay not a wing nut yeah well you never know yeah. you know and, and, and she sat there and i'm like i don't really from milford well yeah i mean you know that's that's so uh, the way there. that's right. <laughs> so, uh, 
So, um, but she came back, and somewhere I still have in the office your first article that when you interviewed Paula Kennedy, who uh -huh. was the, I think, the interim admissions director at the time. Okay. And, uh, and, and the thing is, you know, Eugene, she showed promise from, from the get-go. I was like, oh, okay, she's got potential. You are with that. You know, okay. and and she really did, and and over the next two years, it was almost like having another staff person mm. for a while, especially toward the end. It was like, oh, you don't really want to leave, do you? And, and then, hey, I came back. And then so. she came back. <laughs> well, <thank laughs> that you. was a professor, yeah, a journalism professor. Yeah. All right. So at this point in the roundtable discussion, we actually hit technical problems. And unbeknownst to me, they started to plague us the rest of the great give. Luckily, this was pretty deep into the 36-hour event, probably like hour 33 or 34. But anyway, there was I could play more, but I'm just going to end it there. I hope you enjoyed it. Now, to play us out, it's the Bad Slugs, a group of reporters or journalists who are in a band. Find out more about them, thebadslugs.bandcamp.com. Thanks a lot. For hundreds of years, we brought you the news. Dinosaur. We'll ride the dinosaur.